Hey everybody, this is Ellen Weatherford. I'm here as usual with just the zoo of us. This is your favorite animal review podcast. I'm super excited to bring to y'all this week a brand new friend. We have Alice Chow. Say hi, Alice. Hi, everyone. Hi, I'm so excited to talk to you and talk about mantis shrimps today because I think mantis shrimps are really, really cool. Um, we've briefly touched on them in the past, but this time we're bringing in the big guns. We got an expert in here. But before we talk about mantis shrimps, I would like to kind of talk about you a little bit. Can you let us know, you know, what, what kind of work do you do and how did you get into it? Yeah, absolutely. So Alice Chow, that's me. I am currently a PhD candidate um, at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. So I work in a mantis shrimp lab, specifically a mantis shrimp vision lab. And of course, mantis shrimp are famous for two things, and that is their vision and their punching. I, for my graduate work, I don't actually study either of those things. I study what's in between them. So their brain. Ah, right, where it all comes together. <laughs> exactly. Like, where does that information go and how does it feed back out as behavior? Um, I've been doing this work for almost seven years now. But yeah, I study management brains. That is, I think, really, really cool. Because like, if you're gonna study an animal's brain, I feel like a mantis shrimp is the one that's like, highly sought after. Like, are they like a rock star, like in the neurobiology field? Like everybody wants to study mantis. Oh, shrimps. I wish I could have more <laughs> collaborators on this. I think off the top of my head, I can only think of maybe one or two other people who are studying this. Really? Yeah. Huh. Which is kind of cool that I can, you know, collaborate with these people to discover things that really we don't know anything about. But it's also extremely fun to share these sorts of questions with other people. Yeah. Are you studying them like in a lab setting or in the wild? Like what is what does your research look like? A little bit of both. So most of my work is in the lab. I study the structure of their brains, but we do get out to the field um, probably about once a year. Um, I have colleagues who do spend quite a bit of time in the field observing them, collecting them, and trying to understand their ecology and their behavior. So there is an entire mantis shrimp collective of scientists that are trying to understand them. And I am just one of many. Oh, that's really cool. Is it dangerous to try to come at them in the wild where they're like, pow, like they're like armed and ready to strike? <laughs> Do people ever come back with mantis shrimp related injuries? I would like to say no, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> You couldn't get me to like reach down in one of those burrows or something like that. No, I mean, the so mantis shrimp can range a lot in size. The ones I study are probably about the size of your pinky finger, but they can get up to the size of your forearm. That's probably Whoa. the largest species there is. And they are enormous, beautiful, but enormous. And so I wouldn't try to catch one of those barehanded. No, I'm not trying to catch those hands. No, I don't think I would try to catch one of my small ones barehanded either. <laughs> I use a net. <laughs> they could get you. What got you into like, was it the sort of thing where like you were presented with an opportunity to research them and you just went for it? Or like, did you seek out opportunities to work with mantis shrimp? So it was something kind of in between. My background is actually in uh, neuroscience, specifically emotion neuroscience. So I've always been interested in how the world is processed. But I spent a little bit of time in a marine lab towards the end of my undergraduate career and realized, oh, I can be a marine biologist without studying dolphins because 
that was what I assumed marine biologists studied. Right. It's just the one, just the dolphins. <laughs> exactly. It's dolphins. Everyone <laughs> loves dolphins and they are really cool, but there's so many animals out there. And so I decided to combine these two interests of mine, um, neuroscience and specifically invertebrate biology. So um, anything from like squishy jellyfish and uh, squid to like lobsters or shrimp. I love all things without a spine. They're so cool. And so I started looking for labs that specifically studied sensory systems in invertebrates. And somehow uh, I got extremely lucky and ended up in a lab that studied some of the coolest sensory systems out there right now. So when we're thinking of mantis shrimps, what sets them apart from like the kind of shrimp that I'm not going to say the type of shrimp that you would uh, see on a dinner plate, maybe shrimp that you might like <laughs> use as bait or, you know, just kind of your common everyday shrimp. Like what, what makes a mantis shrimp specifically like a mantis shrimp? So although they're called mantis shrimp, mantis shrimp aren't technically shrimp like the way we think of shrimp. <laughs> I know they're posers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not a mantis either. Not a mantis either. They're just pretending to be all sorts of things. <laughs> Double misnomers. <laughs> um, so mantis shrimp are scientifically known as stomatopods. And stomatopods, um, if you look at the breakdown of the word, I love some, some etymology. Stomata means mouth and pod means legs. They're mouth legs, which when you look at the underside of a mantis shrimp makes a lot of sense. Mouth legs. Mouth legs. How how do mouth leg? How, what does this mean? <laughs> <laughs> how to mouth leg? How, how leg do mouth, mouth leg? So one very distinct difference you'll see between mantis shrimps and say a dinner prawn is that mantis shrimps have many many appendages. So they are still arthropods, and arthropods include both the crustaceans that we've talked about and that I know that you've talked about on your show and insects. We know that arthropods are very segmented. Mantis shrimp have a lot of segments and therefore they have a lot of appendages. So they have sets of pleopods, which are uh, like swimming uh, flappy gills. They are flappy. They have walking legs, three pairs of those. They have their maxillipeds, which are the mouth legs. They are appendages that surround the mouth part. And some of these mouth legs have been adapted to both punch and to clean. I know a lot of people are focused on the punching part, but they have ones that are like little scrubbies for their eyes. Oh, very cool. Like windshield wipers? <laughs> not so they're not quite windshield wipers. They're like scrubby brushes on like a long stick. Huh? That's so smart. It is. I don't know why we don't have those. I wish I had a little like utility, like an arm where you could just like flip out the hand for like a little scrubby brush. I know. Me too. That, but like one for punching, one for cleaning dishes. One pair of both. So you can get double duty done. <laughs> I'm thinking of like um, the Pokemon Machamp yes. that has like the two sets of arms and he's, he's like a bodybuilder, right? So he's just straight ripped. So he's like <laughs> ready to punch. He could use like the top arms for punching, bottom arms for cleaning dishes. But that's basically what it is. Dream husband. <laughs> <laughs> it's mantis shrimp. If there's not a dating sim out there already about mantis shrimps, there should be. There absolutely should be. I completely agree. Although... <laughs> There are, I make it a point to try to collect mantis shrimp, I guess, media 
So like movies, there's a book. It centers around an island that has evolved separately from everything else. And everything on the island was evolved from mantis shrimp. By the way, the title of this book is Fragment, and the author is Warren Fahey. It's, it was a really fun read, and it included illustrations. Oh, dear. I know. It, was it wild? <laughs> I, the mental image I have in my head is absolutely bonkers. It, it, it was, and I will send you some pictures after this recording. Okay. <laughs> well, since we're talking about all these things that they have, it sounds like they have kind of like Swiss Army legs with like all these like features stuck onto their legs and stuff like that. Let's talk about the first uh, rating we're going to give for mantis shrimps. And so if this is your first time listening to this podcast, we rate animals out of 10 in different categories, the first of which is effectiveness. So effectiveness is like physical adaptations, things that are like built into the animal's body that let it do a good job of the things it's trying to do, right? So things like catching and eating their prey, surviving, the conditions they live in, things like that. What do you give mantis shrimps out of 10 for effectiveness? 12. (laughs) It's a good one, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I'm thinking about a couple elements of their body that make them such good and effective animals. There are their eyes, of course, which are, we can touch base on them a little bit later. Yeah, definitely going to have to dedicate a chunk of this to talking about their (laughs) eyes because it's a whole deal. It is a whole thing. We could probably do like five episodes on the eyes alone. (laughs) A masterclass series. (laughs) So their eyes are some of the most complex visual systems that scientists know of. They punch things really hard and some of them don't punch. Some of them spear, but they use the same mechanism. It's like if you loaded up a spring and then all of a sudden let it go, it is going to hit with a really, really, really strong force. And it has been compared to a 22 caliber rifle bullet. It has, it strikes with the same amount of force. So it's like tension loaded. Yeah. So uh, they have what's called a saddle spring. So if you think of something like a piece of plastic that you fold into like a U shape and you press it down, that's going to hold a lot of energy in it, right? Like, cause mm-hmm. as soon as you let go, it's going to spring back open. It's very similar to that. Is a pistol shrimp a type of mantis shrimp? Are they, are, is, are we in the same ballpark here? We are. So I think that's a very uh, common confusion. I think the reason they are commonly confused for each other is because they both generate cavitation bubbles oh. when they strike or create uh, the little air bullet. Uh, they are not related insofar as they're both crustaceans, but pistol shrimp are actually shrimp, unlike mantis uh- shrimp. Oh my gosh, they're the true OG, the real deal. <laughs> That's true. The mantis shrimps are just the posers. Although I will say mantis shrimp have two punching arms and pistol shrimp usually do their pistoling with just one claw. Mm, okay. Is is the mantis shrimp like both of their uh, dukes essentially are like, are they both equally powerful? Do they have like a dominant puncher? I, what do you call them? What do you call the punchy things? Are they arms? They're called raptorial appendages. Raptorial? Raptorial. Yeah, I know, That's right? That's so cool. <laughs> so they are essentially adapted mouth legs. They're adapted maxillipeds. Um, and so they've turned these mouth arms, mouth legs, into something that can punch or spear something really hard. And as to your question about whether or not one is dominant over the other, as far as I know, no. Many times when you see 
videos or when you see these animals in tank, they will strike out with both of those raptorial appendages at the same time. <gasps> you get both barrels. You get both barrels. <laughs> you can catch both of the hands. It's true. Oh, and then so there's the eyes. They, I mean, of course, they can also smell, but that's slightly less exciting in my opinion. I'm sorry <laughs> to the olfactory researchers. It's like, who can't? <laughs> and then they have the punches. But I also think that they're incredibly good swimmers. Really? Mantis shrimp, when they navigate a terrain, they both walk on their walking legs and they also swim. So it's kind of like a walk, 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 glide, walk, 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 glide type look. Oh, that's really cute. <laughs> it is. It's actually a very elegant way of moving around. I'm imagining like I've seen shrimp moving through water before and I'm imagining a fluttery movement. So I feel like it's less fluttery, although I, th I think you're imagining like you're on the right track. It's more like a, oh no, I, I don't want to say dolphin again. <laughs> get out of here dolphins you have plenty of pr this is mantis shrimp's time to shine but they undulate in a very similar way oh, yeah, so they yeah. they kind of undulate and then f do the little flappy thing that you just described in the shrimp do a couple steps and then take off again so i see them and i know a sea dragon is a totally different thing but when they're moving in the water, they look a little bit like ocean dragons. It's kind of cool. It's the vibe. It is it's the vibe. The vibe. <laughs> it's 100% the vibe. You know, when you were talking about them, like, punching in, like, tanks and stuff like that, mm -hmm. if you've played the new Animal Crossing, new, it came out last year. If you've played Animal Crossing uh, New Horizons, yes, there is, you can catch a mantis shrimp in the game, I right? I know. Have you seen them do the punch in the game? <laughs> of course I have. I was so excited. <laughs> So if you haven't played the game, you can catch this mantis shrimp. And when you just place one like in your house or something like that, it shows up in a little tank. It's completely an inappropriate tank to be keeping anything in. But in the context <laughs> of the game, everything goes in this weird little tank. And so you've got this mantis shrimp in a little square uh, aquarium. And when you face it and you click A, so like when you like interact with it, the light turns on, but also the shrimp punches the glass and it cracks the tank. <laughs> so this actually happens. This is a real thing. So the mantis shrimp in Animal Crossing is a peacock mantis shrimp, which I believe you've talked about on the show before. Mm -hmm. There are over 400 species of mantis shrimps all over the world. And some of them really do punch that hard. Although not everyone who you know, has a mantis shrimp in a tank is going to experience this. Some of the angrier ones will just start bashing at the tank and create hairline fractures. Mm. Um, and eventually just their tank will start leaking. And it's just not a good time for anyone. I feel like I, I saw a video recently of somebody who was like feeding their fish in a saltwater fish tank. And like, while they were feeding their fish, they were like waiting for like a food to come down to this little fish that they were trying to feed that was like a goby or something like that. And then all of a sudden this mantis shrimp comes out from behind them and like grabs it. And the person taking the video was like, oh, I didn't know I had a mantis shrimp. And I guess apparently at some point one had gotten in like with something else they were trying to put in their tank and a mantis shrimp just like showed up. That's Amazing. Yeah, my first thought when you started the story is like, why does this person have a mantis shrimp in the same tank as the fish? Don't they want the fish to live? <laughs> so are mantis shrimp preying on fish? Yes. So what they end up eating does depend on the species. But there are many which will 
sit and wait in a burrow, either in the sand or in coral or in rocks, and just wait for something to pass by their field of vision and they'll come out and grab it. So like an ambush predator sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. So mantis shrimp, a lot of them are ambush predators, but some other species also go out and hunt. Predator-like. I'm talking about predator-like the movie alien thing yeah <laughs> not, not, as a predator like you're like yeah that's what a predator is yeah um so it's actually really cool many mantis shrimps have what i guess we all consider like a home burrow they have a home base and so if they go out and look for food they will manage to find their way back home in the most efficient way possible Wow. Really cool. They're pro navigators. So I feel like that's an aspect of their behavior where I'm just Mm -hmm. like, you guys can do anything, can't you? I love them. Are they digging their own burrows? Like I've seen in videos and things like that. I've seen them like in the sand. Like you mentioned, they like to hide in the reefs and stuff like that. Are they like digging their own burrows? Are they like using burrows that are already there? Like what what are they using to hide? So... I think just generally overall, we actually don't know that much about the natural history of mantis shrimps. However, I will say from personal experience that all of the mantis shrimp that I've kept in lab or seen in the wild will, if they live in the sand, dig their own burrows into the sand. Or we had a pet mantis shrimp in lab that we called, very fondly called Waldo. Um, I know. <laughs> Waldo was amazing. Because she was green, just like the algae in there, so we could never find her. Oh. But I have this video of her in this like live rock that we you know put in her tank. And she is inside, and you can hear like the smashing sound. And I'm, we're just like, what is happening? And she comes out with literally an armful of sand. And then she dumps it outside, goes back in, and keeps doing this. And she's essentially remodeling her home for the way that she wants it. Aww. I know. It's great. She's making herself at home. She's getting comfy. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. And it was amazing to watch. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is exactly what they did in the wild as well. When you said like raptorial appendages, I was imagining like a raptor, like a velociraptor and how their little <laughs> arms are like tucked in. I could kind of see like a mantis shrimp having those sort of like little T-Rex arms. I mean, when they're extended out, they are not T-Rex arms, but you're right. Most of the time they keep them tucked up. So you can't actually see how uh, scary they would be if you were face to face with one that was our size. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine a mantis shrimp kaiju? There is actually, I think, an old movie out there that has giant mantis shrimp. I don't remember what it's called, but I remember seeing a screenshot and be like, yes, that is what we need. If I was writing a scary movie about like that took place in like Atlantis, <laughs> the big bad would be a giant mantis shrimp at the end, uh, or like maybe like an alternative ending to Bioshock. Ooh, yes, <laughs> just absolutely. Big boss at the end is a giant mantis shrimp. Wait, okay, so I did give you a rating, right? Yes, like a billion. Oh yeah. Before we move on, let's talk about their eyes. Yes. So you study vision in mantis shrimps, which is like perfect. Everybody wants to talk about their vision. So like what we've already briefly mentioned on this show, and what I think has become a very popular sort of like fun fact, I guess, about mantis shrimps mm-hmm. is that they have more. What is it? More receptors in their eyes than we do to see like certain colors. Yes. So they have more types of receptors, um, and these the wavelengths of light that these receptors are sensitive to, like the boundaries of what they're sensitive to or can be sensitive to is broader than ours. However, 
I would like to correct a very popular misconception about mantis shrimps, which is that they can see a bajillion colors. As far as we know, um, when we test their ability to discriminate between different colors, it's actually worse than ours. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. Humans are actually very good at discriminating colors. And despite the number of visual receptors that mantis shrimp have, they're not great at it, which was huh. a very surprising result. It's like you're running like NASA hardware running with <laughs> Windows 98 software on it <laughs> like having the the mechanics there mm -hmm. but just not the processing power so i think a really good way of looking at it is that yes the processing power might not be there but because it's simple it's faster mm. so that's the running hypothesis is that instead of having all of this information that you have to sort through and and calculate information from you can just be like okay this stream of information means this and it hypothetically leads to faster reaction times this has not been tested and of course in terms of the ability to discriminate between like a light green and a dark green there's only been one published paper on this and so it's something that a lot of us are trying to investigate more of we've talked about other arthropods specific like i'm thinking about like insects and stuff mm -hmm. oh insect vision also amazing yeah it is i i talked to recently we did an episode on jumping spiders where we talked to um <gasps> dr sebastian echeverry mm -hmm. about jumping spider vision which was like pff, just like every sentence blows your mind a little bit more um but you know like a lot of insects that we've talked about maybe have some sort of perception where they've sacrificed detail or sacrificed mm -hmm. some sort of aspect of like the full image for reaction time, right? Which makes yeah. sense where you're talking about an ambush predator, right? Like that quick little fraction of a second could be the window of time you have to catch your prey. Exactly. And of course, they have other parts of their vision that are, I wouldn't say making up for it, but are like just as cool. It's not just their color vision. I highly recommend anyone who's never seen a video of a mantis shrimp look one up because their eyes are kind of like chameleon eyes and that they will move by themselves in different directions. So their eyes can move independently of each other. And here's the kicker. Within a single eye, they have trinocular vision. Trinocular trinocular. So we have binocular vision, right? We have two eyes and each has a field of view. And it's that combination of the field of views that we can sense depth. In a single mantis shrimp eye, they have three portions of their compound eye. So a compound eye is made up of a lot of different facets. And there are three groups of these facets that point in different directions. And they all overlap. And this generates the trinocular vision. So essentially, what they've developed is depth of vision within a single eye. And each one can look in different directions. So yes, you end up with a pretty impressive picture, I'd imagine. It's true. And of course, okay, so we got the color vision, we got mm -hmm. their eyes moving independently, we got the trinocular vision, they have polarization vision, and circular polarization vision. Uh, and that is getting into a bunch of like physics that is physics. I am not a physicist. I've seen videos where they'll do, it'll be like a close up of a mantis shrimp, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe like as either the camera is moving or the shrimp is moving, you can see different portions of their pupil. I guess it's not really a pupil, but you know, like when their eye is moving, like different sections of it look 
I, I don't know how to describe what I'm talking about. You know, like they're moving their eye around and, yep. you can, and it looks almost like their pupils are sort of like yep. coming in and out of view. I know exactly what you're talking about. Good. <laughs> I did my best. <laughs> Such a distinct feature. So you are right. It is a pupil, but it's not a pupil in the sense that our pupil is a pupil. It's what scientists call a pseudo pupil. So like a fake pupil. Huh. <laughs> and so you can imagine uh, compound eyes. So these are the eyes that insects have. These are the eyes that crustaceans have as like a huge bundle of straws. So each facet is a straw that you can look straight down. And at the bottom of it is a bunch of visual receptors. The pseudopupil, those are the uh, facets or the specific straws that you are looking directly down. So of course, if you're looking directly down a straw and it has something that absorbs light at the end, it's going to look black. So when you see a pseudopupil uh, in a video, that's the part of the mantis shrimp eye that is looking at you. Oh, ominous. <laughs> I know. And what's really cool is that you can actually see the three different parts of a mantis shrimp eye with the pseudopupil. Like when you, you know, look at a fly, it's like, okay, you have one dark patch on your eye. When you see a mantis shrimp, there is going to be three. Okay. That's why it looks kind of funky when they're kind of looking around at you. It's like you oh, can yeah. see sort of different regions that'll like look dark for a second and then they go away. Yeah. It's almost, it almost gives it like, I know this is sort of an illusion, I guess, but it gives it like, it looks iridescent almost, right? How like it looks different at different angles. So I, it's not an illusion. Some mantis shrimp eyes actually are iridescent. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm losing it. <laughs> so since we're talking about like the way that their eyes are, you know, linked up to their brain and, you know, the way that they're processing information and stuff like that, let's talk about ingenuity for mantis shrimps. I feel like there's a lot to be said here. <laughs> Ingenuity for us is like behavioral adaptations. So things they're doing with their body you know, to help them like solve problems that they're facing or compete or, you know, catch the prey, not get eaten by predators, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. What do you give mantis shrimps for ingenuity? Ooh, okay. I'm going to give them a 9.7. That's very good. Two. And very precise. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So there's a couple of reasons for this. They are built for survival. There has been research out of, I believe, uh, University of California, San Diego, that shows that the changing ocean actually doesn't affect mantis shrimp that much, or at least it doesn't affect their survivability, unlike its massive impact on a lot of ocean animals, both flora and fauna. They're just unbothered. They just don't care. So like, I think that's something that's absolutely in their favor. However, there's definitely something to be said about the value of behavioral flexibility. So I mentioned earlier that mantis shrimp are really good navigators. They do this using landmarks. They do this using the sun in the sky, but they're very stuck on these cues that help them find their way home. If you move a landmark, which, you know, is bound to happen in the ocean and there's an overcast sky and they don't have a lot of cues, they will just be lost and circle around the same area for a very long time. Uh, so I think for that lack of flexibility, I'm docking them a very, very, very small amount of points. Sure. I mean, it's been working for them okay so far. It's true. 
the world is changing at a little bit of a more rapid pace than they've probably been used to for the last few million years. <laughs> yeah. Mana shrimp have been around, I believe, for over 450 million years. Oh, my gosh. They really have the game cornered, huh? They got it right. <laughs> They're like, listen, no change is needed. <laughs> we are here and we are here to stay. No revisions necessary. Just let it go. <laughs> Print it. Uh, do they ha- what kind of things do they need to worry about? Like, do they need to worry about, like, predators? Are th- is there something in the ocean that is going to like step to a mantis shrimp, basically? I believe so, but there are very few. Mm. They have a reputation. They do. I mean, they're mean. You can say all you want about like your cute and cuddly like bobtail squids. Mantis shrimp are mean. They are mean <laughs> animals. <laughs> they're not nice. One of the scientists I know who also studies mantis shrimp uh, would say everything looks like a nail to them where they just have to like you know, hammer it. When all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Everything <laughs> looks like a nail. <laughs> yeah. Do they have this sort of like idea of like, oh, that thing is too big. I shouldn't punch it. Or will they just kind of go <laughs> for whatever? I think they do have a sense of what's good to punch and what's bad. I mean, it might be warped a little bit. They're not going to say, go after like a very large octopus. I know mm-hmm. that there are videos out there of like you know octopus versus mantis shrimp but a lot of those are staged unfortunately and so like there are i believe some cephalopods that will eat mantis shrimp but for the most part they are predators maybe like a little bit of chihuahua syndrome where they're like small (laughs) but they'll ruin your day (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean that sounds about right i mean they'll they'll ruin each other's day oh really do they fight each other oh yeah we keep them in separate tanks because they'll just kill each other. Oh, that makes sense. Is it like a territory thing or are they just not like each other? Uh, so it's a little bit of both. It is very much a territory thing. When they have their own burrow, it is their burrow. They don't want anyone else in there. And this is part of the rating, I suppose. They're quite good at recognizing when another mantis shrimp is in a burrow. So they have this secret signaling system. So I mentioned that... They have both polarization vision and circular polarization vision. And those are a lot of words. But I can tell you that some species of mantis shrimp uh, are the only animal that both reflect circularly polarized light and can see circularly polarized light, right? So if you have light shining on a part of you that sends off a signal that no one else can understand and only other members of your species can. That's some secret communication going on right there. That's thieves can't. (laughs) (laughs) Like they can like communicate. They have a little secret language that only they Mm -hmm. know. Oh, that's so cool. And it's built into their body too. It's built into their body. That is so neat. But in addition to having these secret signals, they also have behavioral signals. You know, when you see your dog, your dog wags your tail, it's probably happy to see you. It's the same thing with uh, mantis shrimp. They'll have certain behaviors that tell each other, either like back off or like, hey, girl, hey. I know with some other crustaceans or with like some other arthropods, a lot of times you'll have like, there's not necessarily a male one or a female one. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. you'll get like sort of a, you know, one animal could have parts that could go either way. Mm -hmm. Is Are there like male and female mantis shrimps? Yes, there are male and female mantis shrimps. Uh, Although I mentioned before, there just aren't that many people studying mantis shrimp. And as far as I know, I don't think I know anyone who studies mantis shrimp reproduction. It is still somewhat of a mystery um, because they're not particularly easy to 
raise in labs. You can keep them around and they'll be happy, but you won't necessarily have babies and have the babies grow up and be happy adults. Oh, that makes them sound like they're going to be traumatized adults. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> that's not what I meant. <laughs> I get you. I get it's you. meant that we don't have, one, we don't know what the babies need. And two, it's not really something that we can replicate in lab. Oh, I see. Yeah. So maybe they have some like specific needs that we just don't yeah. know what they are yet. So like mantis shrimp larvae are, uh, will be part of the plankton. And in general, we don't know a lot about plankton ecology. Because I think that plankton sometimes is like assumed to mean like one certain, like there's an animal that's called like a plankton, but you know, plankton just consists of like a lot of different stuff, right? Like it could be like copepods and little algae and larva of stuff that will eventually get bigger. Yeah, just itty, itty bitty animals floating along in the ocean. Just little guys. Little tiny guys. Tiny, <laughs> tiny, tiny. I'd imagine that with an animal that can be so like hostile towards others of its own species, like that right there is a challenge to getting them to reproduce in captivity, right? Like how do you oh, get yeah. them to not kill each other for long enough to make a baby? That is a question you'll have to ask what <laughs> a, a scientist that we all love to call the human mantis shrimp, Roy Caldwell at the University of California, Berkeley, because he is, as far as I know, one of the only people who have successfully managed to mate mantis shrimp. It's difficult. They just gotta be in the mood. You gotta put on some mood music, have the right lighting. It's a whole thing. <laughs> mantis shrimp will mate, and sometimes the female will keep the sperm inside of her and then lay the fertilized eggs when she's ready. Of course, sometimes the eggs that she lay won't be fertilized, and that happens sometimes when they're really stressed. This happens with a lot of other animals as well. Does she take care of her babies at all, or does she just kind of wish them the best? This is one of my favorite things about mantis shrimp, is that, okay, so again, we don't know that much about, this is a very broad mantis shrimp general, mm -hmm. but of the, some species we know, they will take care of them. Really? They will lay the eggs and they'll carry the eggs with them and kind of clean them, make sure there's no parasites or icky things on them. And then after they hatch, they'll stay in the burrow for a couple days at least. And they have a little yolk sac attached to them. And so they'll just kind of like swim around and the, hang out in the burrow with their mama, sometimes with the papa too. And when they're ready, they will swim out and become plankton and try to fend for themselves. Oh, you know, I was kind of expecting you to just be like, nope, like they just tell them to kick rocks, you know, send their babies off to go live their own <laughs> life. I, I feel like that's, you know, that's something a lot of arthropods do, I guess, just like, oh, well, hope that works out for you. But the, I'm, <laughs> I'm comforted, at least in comforted. I'm from a human perspective, you know, of course, mm -hmm. that seems very like, oh, good for them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Okay, to be fair, I don't know how much they actually take care of them, but the mother does clean the eggs and, and take care of the eggs. But once they're hatched, I'm not sure how much interaction there is. Sure. But they do live at home. Oh, you just got to wait until they're ready. It's true. Oh, I'm glad to know that. <laughs> <laughs> so since we're kind of talking about like maybe the softer side, the sweeter side, the, the cuter side of mantis shrimps, let's talk about aesthetics for the mantis shrimp. Okay. This category is totally self-explanatory. It's totally your arbitrary opinion, how nice these animals are to look at. Like you said, there's a lot of different types of mantis shrimps. So a lot to think about here, but what do you give mantis shrimps for aesthetics? A 10. Easy 10. They're beautiful. They're gorgeous. I think the only downside, and which is why I didn't give them an 11, <laughs> is because there's so many appendages that they can be kind of hard to draw sometimes. 
I was literally just, as you were describing them, I was thinking back to this one time I tried to draw a mantis shrimp. Um, <laughs> and I, like, started, and I was like, hmm. <laughs> I was like, I don't know about this. This is a <laughs> lot to take in. Um, very, like like you mentioned earlier, like, they have so many segments on their body, right? Mm-hmm. There's just too much going There's on. There's so many segments. There's a lot of appendages. There is a lot going on. But <laughs> if I was a minimalist, I probably would have given them, like, a two. But I am a maximalist. I am like, (laughs) you go. The more detail, the better. They're very, like, ornamented. (laughs) They are. And what's amazing, so, of course, we've mentioned that when people think of mantis shrimp, they usually think of the peacock mantis shrimp, which Mm -hmm. is extremely colorful, very ostentatious. But a lot of other mantis shrimp are equally as beautiful, if not quite as clownish. That was very mean to people. (laughs) No, I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for the little dig. They get a lot of love and praise. They can handle like one. (laughs) And there's so many others out there. Mm -hmm. But some of them are like this beautiful, like lavender with yellow accents. There's a species uh, in California that is yellow and blue, the colors of the UCs, which is, I love, sorry, I'm an alum. There, <laughs> many of them have stripes or spots on them. And some of them have, I wouldn't call them decorative elements because I'm sure that they are functional as well. But there's one species that I particularly like that has spikes on its tail. <gasps> yeah. While you were talking, that clicky sound was me Googling pictures of different types of mantis shrimps. And of course, when you look up mantis shrimp, all that comes up is peacock mantis shrimps. Exactly. So look up Cori Squilla. So C-H-O-R-I-S-Q-U-I-L-L-A. Oh. Right? Do you see its little spiky telson? It does have little spikes on it, doesn't it? It's so cute. It has a nice, like, gentle curved shape to the body, too. It's just like small and fierce and i am all for it can i tell you what like the segmented uh curved body kind of reminds me of oh yeah of course when you're a little kid maybe like you go to like the zoo gift shop or something like that they always have these toys that's like a snake where they're made of these little wood chunks that have like notches cut into them so that it wiggles around do you know what i'm talking about yeah i had one of those as a kid That's exactly what it reminds me of is that kind of like segmented but like curved shape. That's exactly how they like how they swim (laughs) around is they go, they move their little segments around. And also their eyes are really cute for what it's worth. Yeah, they're adorable. They're like big round eyes on the stalks, mm-hmm. but the stalks are still kind of close together. It's not like snail eyes, right? Where like the stalks are like really, really long with these tiny little beady eyes on the end. They're like mm-hmm. big and close together, which is a little bit cartoonish, but it's really cute. So part of the reason why those eye socks are so big is because the brain region for processing the visual information is in- inside of those stalks. Close to the source. <laughs> Close to the source. Exactly. Uh, so I, I always like to joke, and it's not really a joke because it's true. Two thirds of their brain is dedicated to visual processing. Gosh. <laughs> That works really well for them, right? Because, you know, like we said earlier, like they got to be on top of it. They got to be like processing those cues really, really quickly to be catching their prey. Exactly. So they have just prioritized. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there. (laughs) It also serves the purpose of making them really cute, which is great for me. No, sometimes I just stare at them and be like, why are you so adorable? You're Aww. so cute. You can stare at them all day long, but like from a distance, right? Don't get like too close to them because you might lose an eye. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a video of someone 
like at a beach or something like that and there was like a hole in the sand and they mm-hmm. reached their whole arm in there and when they pulled their arm back out they were like holding some giant mantis shrimp it was a big one it was like the size of their hand you know and they yeah. had just like reached their whole arm in there and pulled it right out they were like hey check it out i was like why <laughs> they're way braver than i am much 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 braver that would not be me. No. You don't know what's in there. It could be a crab. They could pinch. <laughs> Although, okay, I'll give you a tip if you ever do get pinched by a crab. Um, instead of trying to pull it off, if you pull it off, it's going to try to pinch harder. Just put the crab on the ground with your hand and it'll see an escape opportunity and just run away. Oh, that's a good idea. I wish you had told me that when I was a kid. I have been pinched by a crab. Oh, um, no. <laughs> it was a hermit crab that I had as a pet. And it did pinch me and it did hold on and I did try to pull it off. <laughs> no! <laughs> and I was in my room by myself and so I had this little hermit crab hanging onto my hand and it was pinched on real tight. It was a little thing. Um, and I remember running into the living room. I was like, Mom, help! <laughs> so the little hermit crab stuck in my hand. She was like, I don't know what to do. I was like, help! <laughs> so if, if you had been there to give me that advice, if you're out there and you have yeah, that Public service crab, announcement. <laughs> But that's very, like, I probably wouldn't have thought to do that in that moment, but it makes yeah. so much sense. Right? Because they're they're pinching you in defense. They don't want to be stuck on your hand. They really don't want to be. And I mean, there are some species, and I'm sorry, I'm veering off into other crustaceans now. That's okay. That's what we do. <laughs> there are some species of crabs that will drop their limbs in <gasps> order to run away. Kind of like lizards in their tails. Really? Yes. So this process is called autonomization. So once they've dropped their claw or their leg, whatever a predator has a hold of, they will scuttle away. And the next time they molt, they'll start growing a new one. Cut your losses. You can go without a claw for a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) It's better than being eaten by a seagull. Sometimes you got to make that call. You got to make a game decision. (laughs) (laughs) That is really cool. We were talking before this about the Pokemon Clawitzer. Yes. So Clawitzer is a Pokemon based on a pistol shrimp, which we talked about pistol shrimps earlier, which, as you mentioned, are not mantis shrimps, but they are real shrimps. So they get to flex on mantis shrimps a little bit. Um, but the Clawitzer has this big, giant claw on his hand that it like snipes people with, which I think is really, really cool. So um, if you're trying to build a Pokemon team incorporating mantis, not mantis shrimps, but if you're trying to incorporate more crustaceans onto your Pokemon team, give Clawitzer a try. When I played Sword, I definitely had my Arthropod team. Did you have Golisopod? I like that one really. I, I did. I, like that one a lot. I also had, what's the stag beetle one? It's an electric and bug. Vicavolt? Yes. I had a Vicavolt and it was my favorite. Uh, yeah, so I had I had my little arthropod team. <laughs> oh, I love them. And Vicavolt and Galvantula, the electric yes. bug squad. So good. Before we wrap up for today, I'd like to give you a chance to just kind of let people know what you've been working on. Like if there are any projects you're involved in right now that you want people to know about, where people can find you, like on social media, stuff like that. So I am, I don't think I'm working on anything in particular that needs pushing, but if people want to find me, I'm on Twitter. Uh, My handle is over brainbows. So it's like over the rainbow, except brains. And I also do a little bit of uh, scientific editing on the side. So if anyone ever needs a scientific editor, if it's whether it's for a biology class, or if you're interested in pursuing biology as a career, like feel free to reach out and talk to me. 
Um, I'm always happy to answer questions, mostly because I love talking about strange animals all the time. <laughs> no better guest for this podcast than somebody <laughs> who can chat with me about weird animals. Have you ever had anyone talk about velvet worms before? No, not velvet worms. We've talked about velvet ants, um, which I know is not even close to the same thing. But um, velvet worms I've heard of, and they're so cool. Um, but no, I haven't found anybody to talk to them yet. My Animal Crossing island is named after a genus of velvet worms. Really? Mm-hmm. That's so good. <laughs> My Animal Crossing island is named Shark Town. <laughs> so yours is much smarter. <laughs> I don't know if it's smart. People are like, what does that mean? Like, mm. you're such a nerd. But no, that's such a good science communication opportunity. Because then they could be like, yeah. what is this? What does this mean? And you'd be like, well, sit down and I'll tell you about velvet worms, you know? It's because they're proto-arthropods. I love arthropods. And they're like, just barely pre-arthropod, except cute and squishy and cuddly. Oh, the little face. I know. <laughs> with the little with the little stalks. <laughs> So if anyone wants to find me on Animal Crossing, I'm there. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I'll drop we'll drop your friend code in. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Alice. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate all of your knowledge. Thank you so much for educating us on mantis shrimps, dispelling some myths, giving them some props. (laughs) Um, It was so nice to talk to you. Oh, it was my pleasure. This is so much fun. Thanks. It really was. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.